Does everybody know what time it is? It's time for a very special episode of Grunt Work. No pain, nothing, I feel remorse. Yes, of course, it's me and true me up first, (gasps) racing Porsches. With the big twin valve exhausts on the cover of your Times, Fangoria's, and New Yorker's, bitch. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now, because it's grunt work for life. (laughs) As always, I am Landon, the Cancer Man Solano. Oh, no. Joined always by my co-host Truman, the Sagittarius Man Caps. Ah! I see what you did there. I thought it was going dark, but then it was going um, uh, astrological instead. Also, and I know that I've said this before, but I, I think that the experience that I have of hearing these jock jams, oh, experiencing them really f- for the first time through you talk singing them to me with lyrics modified to be relevant to us in our podcast, <laughs> it's much in the same way that I only know a lot of rap songs because I have heard them in girl talk remixes, and then I will then I will hear the song and be like, Oh, I recognize that. Oh, it's weird that it's weird that it doesn't have like a Bananarama like uh, baseline <laughs> underneath it or like lyrics from some I 80s know. pop song. So I can't hear 1901 by Phoenix anymore without expecting Ludacris to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying I'm going to hear whatever the hell that was and be like, "Wait, but the lyrics are supposed to be about the New Yorker and like <laughs> and Fangoria and stuff." <laughs> Oh, Truman, it's good to hear your voice. And um, you know what's interesting is uh, listeners, I think, are now we're back to the experience of having us in the same room because, you know, I was able to drop off the microphone to you. So our voices are together, but yes. you and I are separate. And that still breaks my heart a little bit. I, it is, you know, I remember when I, after years of listening to Fresh Air with Terry Gross, when I finally learned that, oh, wait, she's almost never in the same studio as the people she's interviewing. And I felt like I had been robbed in a sense of like all these insightful <laughs> interviews with with people who I liked it was like wait they weren't even there oh my god I had simultaneously <laughs> way more respect for Terry Gross as an interviewer and also like I just felt like I'd realized it was only a paper moon um so <laughs> nice. I, I don't know I don't want to do that to our listeners but I guess we yeah. already have yes Landon and I are yeah, not we have. in the same room but only through the mastery of my editing does it sound like we are and the mastery of Landon's yeah. uh, uh microphone dropping off Landon's at a, mic drop. at a certain point, though, I mean, uh, again, I've been quarantined here alone uh, during this whole time, so I'm I'm like ready to go full Jake Gyllenhaal and do a uh, boy in the bubble scenario just to cross L.A. to get to you <laughs> in order to record. I, I mean, once once we get to a point where it's not super warm out, which saying this at the beginning of May in L.A. is like, well, it might be a while, but like there, there, at some point there should be an episode where you sit on one side of my window and I sit on the other, and we just we just record <laughs> like that. <laughs> I'm sure your neighbors would love to uh, hear my side of a, a podcast while we're recording. You know, here's the thing about my neighbors, Landon, is that every last one of them can go and get fucked because they have been noisy <laughs> as hell during this thing. These neighbors who yeah. I've lived in my apartment complex for eight years now and never really had an issue before. But then as soon as the government tells us to stay home, it's like everybody just decides let's be crazy as shit. The people upstairs are yep. like clog dancing there's these two loud ass girls next door who decide to like yell and squeal and make tiktok videos at three in the morning Ugh, i know and i 
listen, uh, friends listen. of mine are so annoyed with me for having to vent about babies uh, for the last 15 years. But now I'm stuck at home and there's a new infant uh, across the, the my balcony, essentially. Oh, Landon. And Just in time. I, I have, there is a specific place in hell reserved for people who bring in uh, noise-making toys for their infants when living in an apartment Ooh. building. Uh, I have had to listen to a xylophone every single day, <laughs> multiple times a day for weeks now, and I am ready to go break that thing over my knee. <laughs> and then and then on your way out, like, pop a child's balloon with your cigar and just to, just to <laughs> fully be the bad exactly. guy in, in the Disney movie. Uh, so, and I wanted to mention that only because there's a moment in this episode that was supposed to be an emotional scene and just the sound of a baby crying. I'm like, nope, I can't do this. Please, for the love of God, get this scene over with. Landon, this is, I think, Today's episode is going to be good, unlike our other ones, which have all been garbage, because i that is the exact thing I wanted to talk about. I was watching that scene alone, and my girlfriend comes in from the next room with this very concerned look on her face, and then looks at the screen and says, oh, thank God it was the TV. I was afraid that someone next door had a baby or something, and we're going to have to be listening to that for the rest of the quarantine. So, so that scene was uniquely upsetting to everybody, based on the yeah. sample size okay. of two. <laughs> So take that moment that your girlfriend experienced and extrapolate it over 15 years. That's been my experience, um, and it hasn't been fun. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about the TV show Home Improvement. I know you keep waiting for me to say cheers, but we're not going to. I, I know. Say home I, I know. I know. Uh, well, that that's fine. You know, because hey, this this episode was very special, and it deserves some very special attention. <laughs> this is an episode we've been waiting for for a long time, and yeah, I could even give you a synopsis of this episode. Yeah, tell me like why one. it's so special. Why have we been waiting for this? Well, Landon, this week on Home Improvement, and and typically I have a sort of glib rendition of of, of these synopses, but I'm going to I'm going to give it the uh, the uh, verve it deserves. When Randy's doctor finds a lump in his neck, Tim and Jill spend a nerve-wracking 24 hours waiting on the results of a blood test that will tell them whether Randy has a relatively harmless thyroid condition or cancer. At first, they try to hide this news from Randy and the boys, but when Randy figures it out, he's angry that they've been keeping secrets from him. After some heartfelt flashbacks and some confusion from Al, the Taylors finally get the good news. Randy is fine, and we'll just have to take a pill every day. I, 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 now I, I'm, I think I'm just gonna wait until I get your audio to find out what song you were doing because I couldn't fully pick it up in my ear. <laughs> you, you give me too much credit to assume that I know a real song. That's that's also true. I have, I do remember season three when you would do just random, random theme songs that weren't anything. So okay, are you are you inviting me to do that back? I, I mean, you were the one who decided to stop. Although I, I also rejoiced when you did. But. <laughs> <laughs> far be it for me to tell look i mean far be it for me to tell you how to let your freak flag fly you know <laughs> well uh that was a very apt and uh, uh perfect synopsis so thank you sir for that but thank do you, you want to guess that title uh i i do want to i do want to guess <laughs> that title uh so i have i have three options and i'm gonna okay, tell you right and i have one hint for you okay okay that's good should i i, I guess i should do the do do the options first <laughs> Um, but, okay, so, wait, before we go into this, though, because uh, this is the, the first criteria of our Chalupa Challenge, I want to just reiterate for uh, listeners what we decided as far as episodes that don't have guest stars. 
Oh, so right. we don't have a character actor corner to do a metagame of what were they in ER. Shit, you're right. There were no character actors. This was a real bottle episode, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're saying that we need to have all three criteria in order to, you know, successfully do the, the Chalupa challenge. Um, we don't have character actors, so I think this episode is null and void. Um, damn it. Well, you know what? It would be It would be wrong, I think, for people to potentially get Chalupas off of this episode. <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, it would be wrong. On the other hand, it would be okay. extremely right, though, that people ask, like, oh, whatever happened to that Chalupa challenge? You know, all of our friends who actively listen to the podcast and keep up with the dumb shit we do on it, our friends being like, yeah, did anybody ever win the Chalupa challenge? And we say, oh, yeah, it was on the sad episode where Randy might have cancer. <laughs> uh, true. Okay. Well, that's out of the way. Give us your titles. Okay. First option. Yes. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. <laughs> wow okay that brings back very specific i have an association with that song that i'll never forget um oh but no that's not it okay uh second option jtt we hardly knew ye <laughs> okay you know jonathan taylor thomas didn't actually almost have cancer in this episode <laughs> what wait what shit it was randy randy taylor is a fictional character uh, okay i gotta Watch the episode again, and then also all the other episodes. I'm sorry, I've, I've <laughs> fundamentally misinterpreted the nature of uh, of acting and performance. Okay. Next. And last is Medicine Mandy. Like Randy, but... Ma- this one didn't offer me very fertile ground, Landon. I'm gonna say... I'll let you do your own commentary on your own title on that one. You just leave me hanging out there, man. I got nothing I can do. <laughs> you're the you're the creator of that um this is the hint i have for you okay it is uh the same title as a movie a long movie um a war movie that uh starred henry fonda and um i can't remember let me see i know the answer you do i know it okay uh, do you, do you want to look up the cast of it th- so you can? I, so you well, can yeah, flex. I want to make sure that it was Henry Fonda because I'm pretty sure he was in it, but uh, it's definitely John Wayne. Yeah, no, Henry Fonda is not in it, so I'm confusing it with another. I, one, I but, still know uh, the one that you mean. Okay, the longest day. Dun, dun, dun. Correct. Damn it. Well, shit. Okay, so I can only get oh, Henry them right. Fonda is in it. Okay, so oh, I was he's, right. okay. there's a lot of people in the longest day. Red Skelton is, is in yeah. the longest day. <laughs> That's true. Uh, how do you feel about that title? Uh, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm pre- pretty good about it. Pretty good about it. I think that it's that it's um, it, it's descriptive of what the episode is, and it's uh, tasteful because it's not trying to subvert it with a pun like uh, like Medicine Mandy, <laughs> which is totally a pun and not just a dumb half rhyme that I dreamed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it treats the the episode with the gravitas it deserves. Yes. Okay, great. Well, this episode was released on April 2nd, 1996. They're rapidly catching up to our actual date here. I wonder if we're going to end our season at the same time this actual season ends. Oh, my God. Um, If that happens, maybe the coronavirus will be cured. (laughs) Uh, It was directed by Andy Kadiff. He has been uh, brought back uh, from wherever he's been. Maybe he was filming a movie or something. Uh, That could Um, be it. He's making Jungle to Jungle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was written by uh, Elliot Schoenman and Marley Sims. Ah, okay, okay. So they pulled out some of the regular stable for this very special moment. Indeed, they did. And how did you feel about this uh, episode? I felt uh, I had I had uh, I had 
I don't know how I felt about this episode. I mean, I guess I do. I, I, it's just hard to sum up in any <laughs> one thing. You know, I've been waiting. Let me let me start with a, a simple question. Yeah. Did it make you cry? No, it did not make me cry. Did it make you <laughs> As cry? As you say in your voice, it's breaking. <laughs> no, it didn't make me cry. No, it didn't. No, no. Just, <laughs> I was just making a lasagna for one. Um... No, it it did not. It did not make me cry. I don't even understand the lasagna comment. Oh, be, okay. It's a it's a uh, it's a flight of the Concords reference. I'm not crying. Oh, I've just been okay. cutting onions and making lasagna for one. Yeah, come on, Lena. Get okay. with the times. Get with the. My bad. Yeah. Um. So the times. <laughs> a full 15 years ago when that show was popular. No, 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 no. It was not. No, it was not that long ago, and I'm not. No, because I'm. I'm young. I'm still like a freshman in college, which is when and the show is still new <laughs> and relevant. Britain, Jermaine. 2007. Or, yeah, yeah. It's 13 um, years ago. Yeah. No. No. That's actually. That's actually like two years ago. It's 2009. <laughs> Aren't you excited about our newly inaugurated president, Barack Obama? He seems great. Wow. 60 seat majority <laughs> for Democrats in the Senate. We'll pass a lot of great legislation with that. Anyway, I think that this episode. Um, like, we've been waiting for this episode, or at least I've been waiting for this episode for years. We knew that this yeah. thing was in here waiting for us like a ticking time bomb. And uh, I have to tell you, I assumed that it was a much later episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, even at the beginning of the season, Randy was still a kid, like a baby, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to think that by the end of it, I, you know, I kind of remembered him, uh, you know, uh, when I thought back on this episode as kind of an older version of him like right before he left the show uh so i was shocked that it was this season yeah yeah it it, um (laughs) i just even in the because this episode has some flashbacks to other randy stuff in it and it really made me realize like oh shit this kid has grown up a lot in the time that he's been here that did not make me cry but i'm just saying it um (laughs) yeah i i I don't know, we, we just, like, I've even to the point when I've told other people about this podcast, I've had a couple different people say, oh, isn't there that one where they think JTT has cancer or something? Like, my mom has specifically mentioned this episode. This episode <laughs> pissed her off so much. My mother aggressively... Pissed her off? Wow, why? She, she aggressively hates very special episodes of shows, and, oh. like, she... she her, her reasoning for it, and I remember she was saying this, like, this was years ago she was explaining why she hated this episode of Home Improvement, or she was... I think this might have been the thing that made her stop watching the show. It was just like she was so offended that this show that we come to for comedy would then try and force this kind of ham-fisted emotional plot on us. She's, I think her, her words are something How like— How does your mom feel about skateboard helmets and pads? Uh, she thinks they're cool. <laughs> Um, honestly, <laughs> your mom's sending mixed signals here. <laughs> my, well, this is the thing. This is what my mom, my mom very desperately wanted her son to learn how to ride a bike and then eventually just learned like, no, this kid is not going to learn how. So I think she, she, ha- whatever opinion she had about safety gear, she was like, this kid has no sense of balance. He's going to be riding a tricycle <laughs> until he's 50. So, um, I, you know, I, I think that okay. she thought it would have been cool if her son had any need for those things. Um, but yeah, so I've been waiting for this for a long time, and I've been preconditioned to believe that it would be terrible because of my mother, the same woman who preconditioned me to hate Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> and then, ha- but then halfway through the episode, I found myself thinking, like, "Wow, this is this actually isn't as hammy as I thought it was going to be." Like, I think that Patricia Richardson does some great acting. Not that she ever doesn't. JTT absolutely gets a chance to shine. I think really, yeah. really good. And I think that overall, the episode does a pretty fairly competent job of balancing out jokes with sad stuff like Mm -hmm. grading it on a curve of course um 
and then but then all of those thoughts were completely undone by the ending of the episode which is just like oh th- i can i can <laughs> feel my mother across time throwing the remote at the tv and leaving the room to go read the new yorker <laughs> i do have some thoughts on the the kind of culmination of this episode uh that i can't wait to get into um but, but tell me your know, thoughts outside of Outside of like some quintessential Tim stuff, uh, I actually quite like this episode. Um, you know, I I'm also like not of the very special episode type. Mm-hmm. I know we have a, a couple other episodes down the line. It never gets this grave again, but where they do kind of have more, uh, they have special episodes, but they are the types of special episodes I don't like, which is trying to teach the audience a lesson Ah. or try to reinstill a certain value this is just like they're experiencing something there's no like uh you know brandy if he didn't smoke he wouldn't have gotten thyroid cancer you know (laughs) (laughs) it was just like random stuff happens and it's not always you know to the people you know that i was gonna say to the people that deserve it bad stuff Uh, i guess you know no one really deserves it but well well Well, whatever. We're not going to open that can of worms. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, I don't know. To me, it was very tolerable just in that it was something bad that was just happening. No one asked for it. It's not the consequence of anything. It's just a random thing thrown into these people's lives that they have to deal with. And, you know, it reveals something about them uh, to themselves, to each other, to the audience. And I kind of like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that in the sense, I mean, we've heard people say in the past, and I think when we interviewed um, when we interviewed uh, John Pasquin, also t- talking about how how much kind of real family business this show, at least from the outset, it's like they wanted it to be about kind of real family stuff and real relationship stuff. This is kind mm-hmm. of a real thing that families deal with, like oh shit, yeah. a kind of a scary thing from a doctor about one of the kids, and and psychologically, how do we deal with it? And I think that the show handles it pretty deftly and and uh yeah i think that overall this uh, this episode is a lot better than i thought it was going to be and i thought it was again i i think it did a really good job of like i thought my impression of what this episode was going to be was that there would be a couple laughs up front and then the whole thing would just be very serious and very stoic but it was they did a good job of keeping it funny and try and it still feels like a home improvement episode throughout yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to take this time more than any of the other episodes. This has some interesting IMDb trivia. Oh, really? Uh, most of the IMDb trivia is just the title is a play on blank. Mm. Um, but this had some interesting things I didn't know about. Uh, one, you know, we can kind of say this is the first uh, first time I think. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna read it verbatim. This is the only episode where we ever see any of the Taylor kids cry when Randy has this breakdown at the arcade. Oh, wow. That's kind of interesting. That is interesting. Uh, in, in reference to something you said earlier, this episode received uh, th- uh, t- uh, 23.0 in the ratings. So clearly the highest of the entire series. But even amongst must-see TV, this was, like, huge. That's, like, 23 million people watching it? Yeah. Whoa. Yep. Damn. And uh, the one bit of information that I thought was the most interesting, Patricia Richardson came up with the idea for the episode. Really? 
Yeah, that's well, very according to IMDb. I mean, it's not like it's sourced or anything, but no, it's no. That's the source is IMDb trivia. <laughs> IMDb trivia that told that told us that they shot the turtle turtle scene in Master of Disguise on nine eleven. Like we we have to trust that. That's 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 truth now. Um, that's very interesting. Well, more yeah. more on par with like this being about real family shit. Maybe she had something like that happen with one of her daughters. Yeah, well, who knows? I think she only has sons. I don't know, but oh, uh, sons, shit. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to speculate into people's personal lives, but. Um, yeah, I just I found that interesting because clearly, you know, she has a sense of, um, you know, what could make the show a little bit deeper, a little bit more meaningful than just one week after another of getting fights, getting in fights with the kids over hot rods <laughs> and haircuts, you know, and uh, haircuts, <laughs> hot rods and haircuts, the the much less popular sequel to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> well, that uh, is totally Tim's D and D campaign. <laughs> I'm all about the hot rods. Don't like the haircuts much. No, 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 no. no. Always plays a hot rod. Well, let's uh, let's get into the actual episode here, but first, let's take some time to thank some patrons. Yes, let's do that. Uh, I want to toss out a thank you to a very special patron, and then to four other very special patrons after that one. Um, first, <laughs> are they, I'm assuming, I don't know, it sounds like you're separating out one patron over others. I think we need to be diplomatic, and they're all equally uh, special patrons here all patrons are all patrons are equal also i'm realizing am i stepping on your patrons that you want to thank or have i have i sussed out properly which order we're doing this in <laughs> you've sussed out properly and i hope you, you i don't know you can keep this in you can edit it out i don't care okay uh well first off i want to thank kirsty uh thank you so much for your uh, mm-hmm. continued support and uh and uh listenership and everything you do for us uh here at grunt work um, I feel like uh, as as the the other voice on the line here, the only other person that's going to stick up for the the other patrons. I, I, I sense, I smell, even though we're not in the same room, a little little bit of nepotism there. There, I mean, <laughs> well, because 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 Kirsty, unlike the other patrons, also is the one who comes out of our bedroom in the morning when she's still trying to sleep and pushes play on the episode, so I don't have to see the title okay, of the episode. Fair enough. So, that is a ridiculous, stupid thing to have to do. So I, I completely concede and forgive me for even mentioning anything because that is, yeah. And and all of you, all of you other patrons should be thankful for that too because her doing that and keeping me in the dark as to the title of the episode preserves your eligibility for potential free chalupas. So yeah, all of you that, really should be thanking her and gives us uh, gems like medicine, Mandy. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there, you know, to every to every silver lining, there's a gray cloud in the middle that you don't like so much. Um, but 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 enough about but enough about her. Uh, I want to also thank Tara. You know, Tara, you've yes, never... nepotism, but no, we're done with her. Yeah, well, I you know, I I just I don't want the other because all of our, we do value all of our patrons. Tara, you've never yep. pushed play on the episode of Home Improvement for me, but I don't doubt that you would if the but you pushed did. play on my heart. You you pushed you pushed play on funding our podcast and that in a way is also quite important um i want to thank john who i'm who i respect you so much that i'm going to stop over pronouncing the the h in your name uh i want to thank john and i respect you so much that i'm not going to shout your name the way that i have in the past to emphasize (laughs) that it's just j-o-n and not j-o-h-n and then I want to thank Tom, and uh, also out of respect for you, I'm not going to overemphasize the two M's at the end of your name. I, it's it's respect to pronounce your this name is, the way I want you to. This is a sea change, man. I, we're dealing with a serious episode, 
and we yeah. need to be serious about every aspect. So from here forward, we're going into the deep dive. I expect no more jokes, nope. no more laughing. Nope. It's just going to be serious moving forward. Nope. This is welcome to uh, the New York Times episode of The Daily. Uh, just the facts. Maybe they tell yep. jokes on that podcast. I actually don't listen to it. Um, I'm... I am going to try my hardest not to laugh from here forward, and you know how hard that's going to be for me. I'll make it easier for you by being exactly as funny as I have always been. Um, So, uh, home improvement. We, we, (laughs) God almighty, it's just like it's a nervous tick. Uh, We start uh, in the kitchen. Tim comes in from the garage, and he and the grunt creep are both ready to eat. I did not even see the grunt creep. Maybe I was looking away, or maybe I was just too concerned about what we might be getting into in this episode. I didn't even see him there. He was sitting on the counter with a fork and knife in his hand. Oh, man. Just staring at that meringue pie on yeah. the other, uh, side of the counter. Yeah, Tim and Tim is, is all ready to start picking at and eating this meringue pie, and Jill comes in and yells at him like, no, 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 don't, don't. Don't eat that. And he's like, I'm not I'm not eating it. And he's and she says, well, then why do you have a fork? And he says, well, I wanted to scratch myself. And um, yeah, so and he does. Yeah, he does. Underneath his arms, uses a, the fork to scratch himself. And, um, and does he wash that fork off? Probably not. No, it probably goes probably back in the drawer. Not, no. uh, well, it doesn't even go back in the drawer. He just keeps it in his hand until they, they leave because she calls the boys down. They're all about to go head out to the doctor for some checkups. Yes, and as my note, as soon as Jill explains that they're, you know, as soon as they're talking about going to the doctor, my note is just, oh shit, is it this episode? Um, yeah, Tim, so it, well, was it that that tipped you off or was it my text messages to you before you watched it that was like, uh, I don't know how we're going to handle this one. I've been, I've been burnt before by this. So you've texted me this about a few different episodes and I was thinking like, oh shit, is this the JTT cancer one? And then it's like, oh no, this is just Tim driving a tank around or something like you, uh, you know, you, so you I'm s- effectively Peter uh, and the wolf from yes. Peter and the wolf. Yes, exactly that. Each animal represented by a different instrument, um, something like that. I don't know. I really don't know what you mean by Peter and the wolf. Is it? Well, isn't Peter the one that cries wolf too many times? No, no. The boy who cried wolf is the one who cries wolf. I think Peter and but the wolf. Isn't his is, name Peter? I don't think it is. I think Peter is just another boy in literature who has an experience with a wolf. I think there can be two people named Peter who have wolf experiences. So welcome back to the Wolf of Pod Street, the podcast where we talk about wolves in, uh, I guess, folklore who have experiences with children. Anyway, um, you're doing a good job of to, not laughing at my great material here. We need to call in our resident lycanthrope expert. <laughs> it's Warren Zevon. Um, so <laughs> they're We're a little too late on that one. No, oh, um, th- dude, don't remind me Warren Zevon's dead, man. Not after, like, I'm already worried about Randy, and now I have to think about Warren Zevon being dead. Um, Brad comes in carrying yes. a little brown paper bag uh, that he says on the counter. Yeah. And uh, his explanation here is that um, he can't, he basically has nervous bladder and can't go on command when they ask him to fill uh, the cup at the doctor's office. So he has brought a yogurt container filled with his pee, uh, and sets it on the counter. And I just want to point out, uh, maybe he, you know, we, Brad, I'm trying to think of a diplomatic to say that Brad's a dum-dum. Uh, but I think we can just say the show has been clear that Brad's a dum-dum, so I'm not going to feel bad about saying that. Yeah, I, um, yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if this is his really, really asinine attempt to try to trick um, the doctors from finding out that he's been smoking pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, like he uh, he he went he went next door and got one of the neighbor kids to to pee in a cup for him instead. Well, yeah, it would probably be Stinky or you know, yeah, someone. Well, yeah. no, Stinky's the one. That's his dealer for sure. Yeah, yeah, Stinky is absolutely the one he's getting it from. All the all the neighborhood bullies are who are supplying him. But what happened? What about Senator Jason? Oh man! Oh no, Senator J. I mean, no, Senator Jason. His his pee like weed grows out of it. You can like you you know, you can you can like his 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 pee is a drug in and of itself because there's so much residue of every other drug in there. <laughs> yeah, is that right? <laughs> that is right. Are you? Are, why, why are you? Why are you making these sounds? Why don't you just laugh normally, man? <laughs> um. So, but he he brings this he yep. brings this down, and Tim is complaining about peeing into peeing into the cup at the uh, at the doctor. He's saying like, ah, it's never big enough. It's like, give me a salad bowl, and I'm kind of just like, what? What are you even? <laughs> yeah, what kind of? I wrote that note too. It's like, what? Why is that a measurement of manhood? Yeah, thank you. Exact same thing. Like uh, the uh, the now, the volume of your piss now is a thing that we're like the size of your bladder does not equate to the size of your dick. Yeah, it's like God. Just it, there, there has never been a prison like masculinity, and Tim is just <laughs> Tim. Tim is the Birdman of Alcatraz. I tell you what. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, that, ha- and also the one good thing he mentions that it's in a yogurt container, and Randy comes through and and says, "Well, I think that's one flavor that's not going to catch on." And tip of the yeah. hat before before the I mean, sadness and what, before the sadness sets in i like that they were able to give him a few of his like quintessential one-liners mm-hmm. um before you know he was asked to put in the the dramatic chops yeah um range yeah they all head out the door they head to the doctors tim is staying back um and he digs into the lemon meringue pie oh yeah uh, or tries to i'm sorry he reaches for it and jill opens the door, the front door again, and yells out to Tim, don't you touch that lemon meringue pie! <laughs> and he, you know, <gasps> pretends to scratch himself again. Then we get a transition that was very confounding to me because it had no rhyme or reason to the scene. Uh, oh. Where it was just like a bunch of fences and then doors and then barn doors shutting and then it takes us to the theme song. It really reminded me of like the the opening to Mystery Science Theater 3000. Honestly, yeah, all the different doors. I think, or or uh, like a Get Smart situation. I mm, think mm-hmm. what it was supposed to mean is that like the that Jill is trying to protect the pie and it's like locked away behind a bunch of different vault doors, and also that the editor who was trying to come up with the transition for this was definitely reaching. <laughs> I think yes, that latter point is more accurate than anything. But because there's um, not transitions in the rest of this episode, the transitions take the rest of the episode off. And which you know, I actually took that note. I think that that was a very good move on their part. Yes, uh, absolutely. To not, <laughs> I mean, it would be an interesting creative challenge for Jim Prater to go. Hmm, how am I going to create a dramatic transition? <laughs> <laughs> a, a very somber and and thoughtful transition that makes you reflect on life and death. <laughs> Just like uh, an Arrested Development moment where the transition's walking through the scene with the Charlie Brown <laughs> music playing. <laughs> da, 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 da. Um, so you go to our opening credits. Yeah. I don't have any notes for this except that, holy shit, Brad looks like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also the the, the haircut also kind of makes it, you know, the, yeah, the difference yeah. in hair makes a big difference, too. Yeah. And I don't want to keep banging that drum, but, you know, this to me is telling us 100 percent we're getting a new um, uh, opening credits next season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm excited to find out. Um, So then we come back after the opening credits uh, to find that Tim has eaten the whole pie. He's eaten. Can I make the noise that I made? As soon as I saw this, uh, do it. 
<laughs> Which actually sounds like Tim when he, <laughs> he has a burp. Yeah, or, or, or it sounds like uh, Hank Hill whenever Bobby does anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I don't know. It's just like, why, Tim? What did yeah. you think? What did you think? <laughs> why? Why yeah. would you do this? Uh, I've never had lemon meringue pie or any meringue pie. What? But just looking at that, I'm like, it made my teeth hurt knowing how oh. much that uh, I would want to brush my teeth. And then my stomach would be like, I I don't know, I couldn't handle all of that sugar and egg whites and, uh, oh, God, it's just way too much. Like, meringue pie in particular, if it was apple pie or pumpkin pie or chocolate mousse, like, I could understand that more. But who can have more than, like, a thin slice of meringue? You know, I have... I, I so many times like I don't eat a lot of pie, but whenever I'm at like a diner type establishment and people are getting pie, I will always be like, "Ooh, lemon meringue pie! I like lemon meringue. Let's do lemon meringue pie." And then I'll have That's it. That's a very be- very long statement to put on a in- most interesting man in the world meme. <laughs> I don't always eat pie, but when I do, I you know I'm always always having the kind that's at the diner. That <laughs> there's a re- look. There's a reason that that they went with the other guy for the ad campaign. <laughs> they were like, they're like Truman. You know this is an ad for Dos Equis beer, and, and we don't make lemon meringue pie. And I'm like, well, but I'm the most interesting man in the world, and I deem this interesting. <laughs> I, you know, I'm still upset about it. Really, I, I could have made the a lot of money. The most interesting man in the world is to Dos Equis as <laughs> you, the whitest man in the world, is to a meringue pie. Yeah, yeah, and here and 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 there's nothing whiter than listening to a white guy explain his complicated feelings on meringue. Um, no, but just like every time I order, I order one. I'm I'm like, oh yeah, I'll have a lemon meringue pie. This will be good. And then I start eating it. I'm like, I don't like lemon meringue pie that much. Why do I keep ordering this? Why Why did I burn one of the only times I'm gonna get pie this year on this pie I don't like very much? What pie would you choose? Now? Oh, yeah. gosh. I don't know. You can go out. You, the, the doors are open to the world again. You can go to your local diner. They have every pie ever made on display. Mm. What do you choose? Probably Boston cream at that point. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I've never had one of those. Yeah, well, it, no, no, you know, I'm not very much of a pie guy, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I, you know, I don't eat that many sweets in general, but I like yeah. pie better than cake. So that's... Likewise. Yeah, I would say that, too. Um... Yeah, that would probably be the one. I'm because at the end of the day, if I'm going to be eating sweets, I know I should get something with sugar, uh, not sugar, with with fruit in it. But I would honestly just rather a chocolate and cream pie, you know. Mm. And of course, then with with the caveat that, that I then go home right afterwards. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I think I would do a uh, pecan pie. Oh, okay. Oh, damn, pecan pie. That's a really good guess actually i i would take two bites of mine and then say hey landon can i have yours i think that would be because obviously we're together in this scenario and also i really i really want to point out the trend in in our show that more and more especially since the quarantine has started we mostly just talk about like donuts or pies or other baked goods that we like we should just have a food Uh, podcast yeah good (laughs) picking up on that pattern so uh Everyone comes back home as Tim is finishing this, and he just places the the crust, the the hardened part of the meringue, back on top to make it look like he hasn't touched it. And it's like, yeah, hey, well, I'm, okay, listen, I can't criticize him too much because I probably have done similar <laughs> things to this in my my heyday of eating everything in sight. But uh, like, I, that's that's a very loose guise you're making there, Tim. Yeah, it's I really the whole time I'm just like, what, Tim? What was your end game? What was the plan? <laughs> You were the only, like, they knew the pie was intact when they left. You were the only yeah. one home. You ate. His end game was just, as soon as they found out, he's going to snap his fingers and send them to dust. <laughs> uh, pie am inevitable. 
right? Am I right, guys? You you, you get what I did there. Uh, I did. So, um, but also let's let's keep in mind that they've been at the doctor for a while, at least a couple yeah. hours. So I do like this idea though of kind of you know a leisurely weekend afternoon where you're alone in the house you've just got a big old pie that you're just kind of so it's not like he just ate it in one sitting he was just kind of like wandering around the house puttering around eating forkfuls of pie like on some level yeah, where's that montage <laughs> yeah seriously that's what i want to see i see pies of meringue um <laughs> that'll make sense in a minute folks uh so he's eating the whole pie by a minute you mean an hour from now <laughs> oh god that's that is altogether too true um but it apparently it took them longer at the uh, doctor than expected because the doctor found boysenberry yogurt in brad's urine sample and he had to get a new one that didn't have fruit in it I thought um, that was a nice, nice little callback or a nice little uh, uh, button to that joke. I, I thought so too. I liked it quite a lot. Um, um, but the the reason they needed to be out so long is that Randy needed to go across the hall to get uh, a second set of blood tests. Yes, exactly. And uh, the boys all wander off upstairs, and Jill pulls Tim aside and says that uh, there's some serious news. Um, yes, and they found a lump on Randy's neck. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and the doctors have given her a bunch of different options. It could be, you know, it could just be a goiter or it could be that he has an underactive thyroid that would require him to take a pill every day or it could be cancer. So, uh, you know, and and like I think it's a hypo hypothyroid hypoism. Yeah. Hypothyroidism. And Tim goes, okay, so it's either a lump or it's hypothymaster. Yeah. Which, okay, this is the first point of order I have, which mm-hmm. is, how do you think, I mean, again, I have a few, one or two issues with Tim in this episode, but I'm not going to get on my soapbox too much, but how do you think overall um, they're they're handling this? Like, this is our first kind of pivot toward dramatic territory, uh, let's just say with this episode, but, um, you know, where they're mixing, like, heavy stuff with jokes, uh, I think they're they're handling it well because uh, so uh, you know I I don't have that many criticisms of Tim except for the next scene after this when I have some issues yeah. but like uh, in this like this isn't Tim trying to make a joke or trying to make light of it this this comedy is rooted in Tim being dumb and not yeah. knowing words so right exactly I, so I think this is this is just good character comedy I, I I don't have I don't have an issue with this I think he's handling it well what, what do you think what are your thoughts. Yeah, likewise. I, I think I have a, a little bit of um, I don't know what's the, you know what's the term when you like flinch when somebody's like gonna pretend to hit you. Uh, uh, I I I don't know what the term for that is, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I felt in this moment where it's like as soon as Tim was delivered, you know, a bad news, I was like, oh no, God, don't go, don't say anything bad, don't don't do that, just don't talk, uh, just just nod and cry. <laughs> Hug exactly. Your wife. So the second I could sense that a joke was coming, I was just like, oh, "Don't, no, please." Uh, and then was kind of pleasantly surprised that, like, oh, okay, that was that was tolerable. I can mm-hmm. do that because, mm-hmm. yeah, as you said, it was it was more about Tim's ineptitude and Tim's kind of dumminess than it was about making light of the situation. Yeah, yeah. Um... So, you know, I think it honestly would have been, you know, it was, it was true to Tim and, and who Tim is. Um, so, yeah, and so she suggested it might be a goiter, and, and Tim goes, a goiter? And she says, that's nothing. And he says, so we want a goiter? So there's this whole kind of running gag about goiters, a goiter gag, yeah. if you will. Um, 
And but she she as she's talking about this, she kind of works herself up. Uh, you know, Tim had said, you know, why didn't you call me? You know, I would have been there in a second. She's like, well, I didn't want to alarm him until we have more information. And she starts to like talk herself into this downward spiral as she you know kind of crosses to the kitchen and. Uh, as she's talking about it, she she realizes the weight of what has just transpired. I would imagine in Jill's experience, this is the first time outside of Randy that she's had to process this. And she, as she's saying it to Tim, it's kind of sinking into her. And I want to really point out Patricia Richardson's acting here. I mean, yeah. this is the first moment in the episode where she breaks uh, in terms of like her emotional state. Yeah. And, you know, her voice quivers a little bit. She starts to, to get misty-eyed and cried a little bit. She needs Tim's embrace and, like, what the fuck are we going to do? And uh, my note here was, Jill breaks, and so do I. Oh. Landon, is <laughs> this is, where you started crying? This is just one of the, the kind of chinks in my armor, if you will, where I, watching somebody else have such compassion for another person that it is affecting them emotionally especially a parent uh really just it, it's like instant it's like a switch for me it just immediately makes me teary-eyed oh landon i'm so i'm i'm sorry i made light of it earlier i didn't realize that this uh, this very special episode was so special <laughs> to you uh well i like i said it's a cheap trick i mean that's not that it's <laughs> yeah the dream police. scene or this moment is particularly cheap but like that you surrender it doesn't yeah. matter you could put that kind of moment in a commercial and i would be crying <laughs> so uh yeah take that uh, for what it will but i think patricia richardson that's what i really want to focus on here she you know i i can't remember another episode where she's really been able to show that kind of raw mixture of fear and emotion you know uh concern and all kinds of things going on at the same time yeah. I, I think it's a, an amazing emo, uh moment here um of you know just her performance yeah and I, it's really it's really some of those i mean it's it, you you see the kind of theater chops that she has that like really yeah. good uh that just the the acting that she learned she's always been one of the strongest performers on the show and this is kind of the first time She's really been able to, I mean, she's had a lot of dramatic moments before, but this is the the kind of the, a new level or a new yeah. emotional place for her to go it's to. definitely in my top five best moments of, uh, best, per- best performance moments of Patricia Richardson in the series so far. Yes, yes. Well, okay, you know, let's, let's carve it into, into the marble at the base of our large statue of Patricia Richardson and uh, commemorate <laughs> it forever. Put it in the Perfect. time capsule for future civilizations to see. <laughs> Um, uh, and so as she's kind of explaining this to, to Tim, Brad interrupts to get a juice box or whatever he gets from the fridge. Uh, and hey, I'm glad that they kept Brad's hair. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes me wonder from last episode to this, like, was that just something Zachary Ty Bryan wanted and they wrote it into the show? Or <laughs> is this something that the Zachary Ty Bryan had to commit to for the rest of the season? Uh, I, I don't know. Whatever the case, it was an interesting bit of continuity. I, yeah, you know, I think it's I I think it's something that they I don't know, maybe they floated it to him or discussed it with him. Also, I mean, given that it came pretty late in the season, it was like, look, d- you know, do this for the next few episodes, and then you've got the summer mm-hmm. to grow it back mm-hmm. out and do what you want. And yeah, yeah. yeah. But as he uh, interrupts this moment between the two of them, they you know immediately switch gears and start talking about fabric softener and yeah. how they're going to get the sheets white. And uh, 
they're just, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny because Brad like watches them. He's a little, and this kind of shows more uh, of his like dumb dumb side where he can't quite pick up on things that are weird. He just kind of looks at it and goes, "Wow, that's strange," and then shrugs it off and walks out of the room. I I, I thought this was a really great Zachary Ty Bryan moment of of his acting yeah. of just kind of like being like weirded out by his parents and backing out of the room slowly. <laughs> I, 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 he has really good physical comic timing. I, I think yeah. that I'm finding like, uh, JTT has the, has the delivery and, and certainly ZTB is good at that too, but it's like, he's very good with kind of like just a look or with a, a gesture and, and conveying stuff through that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but that kind of ends the scene. And then we go to the kitchen the next morning where Jill is making breakfast. And Tim comes in. This is this is where I have my this is my really big and my only Tim complaint of the episode. He comes in and he goes, "Ah, oh, smells good. Where am I?" Come on, Tim. We ju- <laughs> you were just comforting your crying wife, and I get it. This is the next day, but like yeah. Jesus, do you really think now is the right time to be going on with the whole joke about oh, your cooking sucks? Yeah, true. Uh, again, this is one of the notes that I'm like. <sighs> I've just kind of been it's white noise to me at this point. I actually the the point I have with him is a little bit later, but um, I get that. I totally get that. It is not the right moment for that sort of uh, tomfoolery. So then then Tim is Tim is going off to work and she's like, you're going to work today when with with when we're waiting for the call back from the doctor about Randy. And and he says, oh, if I sit around here waiting for the doctor to call, I will go crazy. I've got to keep busy. You should, too. And it's like, like, was this the thing that got you the like? (laughs) <laughs> you should keep busy, woman who's making breakfast for everyone breakfast, yeah. in the house. <laughs> and it's also worth mentioning that he does say here that, you know, uh, why are you making Randy's favorite breakfast? Uh, he, you're going to tip him on. He's going to know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is to prove his point, Brad comes down and interrupts their conversation again. And they start talking about, you know, some other uh, <laughs> sort of uh, linen issue. Um well, uh, Brad's like, wait, you're making good food. What's going on? And and Tim goes, it's our anniversary. And Brad goes, that oh, was two months right. yeah. ago. And he goes, it's the anniversary of the first time we had eggs. And Brad just <laughs> thinks about it. And then it's like, cool. <laughs> Tim walks off. And uh, that immediately prompts Jill to go, oh, my God, you're right. The, he's totally going to know. And she just starts if Brad can figure eggs, it out. <laughs> throwing the eggs in the... Uh, pancakes down the down the garbage disposal and immediately my heart was like no don't do I, that i know i know it's food being wasted on tv and in movies it's so many eggs they looked so good oh, they did look good um yeah. but uh randy comes down and he, right when she's trying to get rid of all the evidence and he's like what are you doing that's my favorite type of breakfast and yeah Tim tries to save the day by saying well you know what actually i i decided uh why don't you and i go out for breakfast as if that's not going to tip him off more to than jill just making breakfast yeah um and of course it does tip him off more because he's like oh my god well the way you guys are treating me i think i'm dying yeah and then the the reaction from both of them like you know more props to patricia richardson for conveying so much with just a look and the way she's standing there but uh pretty pretty quick randy is catching on and saying like wait what happened it you know something happened at the doctor yesterday yeah exactly and uh yeah i gotta be honest this is i was kind of transfixed with the scene i didn't uh, take a whole lot of notes here but uh he does you know suspect something pretty quickly asks them about it and she's like well okay you know remember yesterday when they found a lump in your neck well they think it might be a goiter and he goes a goiter and Tim's like don't worry about it it's nothing a goiter is nothing and he's like it doesn't sound like nothing yeah say the yankees ate 
Tiger's goiter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Randy what? definitely realizes something more uh, grave is at foot here. Yeah, the, the, there's this exchange that I really like where it's, uh, you know, you, you have something, you might have something that needs to be removed. And he says, I'd have to have an operation. And Tim goes, a very small one. And yes. and Randy goes, would I have a scar? And Tim goes, a very small one. And Jill says, Dr. Kaufman's going to call tonight. And Tim goes, he's a very small doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Which is again like that that is that is skillful comedy, like keeping yes. keeping the laughs coming with these with these bits, even when all this serious shit is flying around. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh but Randy just rightly so is upset about the situation and uh I think that they handled his kind of misguided I don't want to say anger. I mean, he he thinks he's angry at Tim and Jill for hiding information from him. But really, by the end of this episode, we realize it's just kind of uh, fear and scared, you know, mm-hmm. of what what could potentially happen. But yeah, uh, he gets kind of angry in this moment and says, "You know, I don't want to go to breakfast. I'm just I got to get to history class instead," uh, and walks out the door. Yeah, and uh, and Jill goes, "I tipped him off. I'm such a terrible mother. I had to go and make him a decent breakfast." <laughs> Which, again, a, a line that she delivers from a place of concern and fear yeah. that still gets a laugh, which is so, not easy. This is where I'm trying to figure out where to toe the line here, because I'm not a parent, and I've never had to deliver news of this magnitude to somebody before. So I really am in no place to comment on what the best method of it is. But from my perspective of trying to put myself in Randy's shoes and what how I would like the uh, information delivered to me. I think Jill is doing a great job of not necessarily hiding anything or making false promises. She just kind of calmly explains what the situation might be and all of the possible consequences. Yeah. And she does it with a, a certain sensitivity uh, that I thought was, you know, uh, really well handled. Yeah, no, I I think it's uh, I you know I we we I can I can keep saying that she's a great actress again and again. That's been the <laughs> the refrain for this entire show. Yeah. No, but I, I'm I'm speaking more to the writing and how they mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. decided to let the character of Jill handle that. You know, yeah, they could have yeah. gone in any number of directions uh, with it. And I have some questions with how Tim handles it later. That's my big issue, but. Um, we'll get there in due time. Yes. So we go from this. Randy uh, traverses off to school. We go to tool time backstage. Yeah. You know, and Tim is uh, Tim is asking Heidi if there's been any call from from home or from the doctor or anything, and and she says no. Yeah, it's, you've asked three times. No, there's been nothing. And she leaves, and then Al comes over. <laughs> there's there's times when you can tell Richard Car like they've just told Richard Carn like you are in comedy mode you are the clown for this scene and that was the way he <laughs> right. marches up and he's got this kind of impertinent look about him and he and he just starts criticizing Tim's performance just yeah. says you were a little bit dull today. Uh, I take uh, a little bit of umbrage with uh, how you describe that. I think Richard Carn is smart enough to be able to identify when he's supposed to be playing the comedic part. No one's telling him you're playing the comedic part in this episode. Okay, fa- that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but I do think that Richard Carn is good enough to take direction. So if someone did tell fair. him that, there yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Consummate professional, top yes. to bottom. Yes. Um. So, but yeah, he does come in and he tries to criticize Tim. You're really dull on this episode. What's going on? What's What's wrong? Yeah. Um, and Al really does try to understand what's wrong with him as like a friend. You know, he he sets everything aside and he's like, oh, shit, something actually is going on here. What What is it? What's going on? Tell me. I, 
Like he he sa- he says like, is it me? Have I let you down in any way? And then it's you know, Tim says no, it's not that. It's just something at home. And he's like, is it okay? Tell me, please. I'm your friend. I yeah. can tell that something's wrong. I'm reaching out. And my note here is just Tim does not deserve Al. Like, <laughs> no, he does not. Yeah. Like Al is being. My my note here was Tim doesn't want to open up, but Al is being persistent like a friend, and I wrote that in all caps. Yeah. Um, and you know Tim is like he's got his suit under his arm and he's trying to walk toward you know the door to get out and go home, and Al is like putting himself in front of him, saying, "Look, I can tell something's wrong with you, and I'm going to be persistent in finding out what this is because I need to know mm-hmm. uh, as your friend." And Tim decides, okay, well, you know, I've been waiting for a call from Jill uh, because I found out she's uh, uh, having an affair with our milkman. And and Wilson, yeah, not Wilson, Al is just dollar in the jar. Al is like, oh, Jill, how could she even, you have a milkman? I didn't even know. <laughs> and I don't want to skip over my favorite line of the episode, which it feels a little cheap to say that this is my favorite line, but uh, as soon as... T- as soon as Al, Tim says that she's having an affair with the milkman, it just kind of like there's this dumbstruck look on Al's face and just goes, no, I cannot believe that. <laughs> Jill? <laughs> uh, it just He's so nonplussed by it. Um, and just, Tim just continues to walk out the door without actually telling Al what's going on. Uh, now, granted, this is where the sitcom part comes in where – yeah, that's a shitty thing to do to a friend instead of just saying, look, I have something going on and I don't want to talk about it right now or I'm not ready to talk about it. I feel like mm-hmm. Al would be responsive to that, but it's less funny. And it doesn't open up the opportunity for a recurring joke through the rest of the episode of them getting phone calls from Al <laughs> asking about the milkman. <laughs> which which I also think is great because this is a thing that keeps coming up where they keep getting calls <laughs> that are, you know, we don't hear Al on the other side, but it's just, Al, no, stop calling us. I love the thought... Of, like, Al hearing this, and it's like, I'm just going to call Jill and berate her for cheating on Tim. (laughs) Again, Tim does not deserve Al. Get you a friend who will call your supposedly philandering wife and just tell her, hey, you shouldn't be having sex with the milkman. It says a lot about the characters where I can very vividly picture the scene in Al's apartment where Eileen is sitting on the couch and he's just pacing back and forth. They're trying to play a board game, but he's so distracted by this thought. He's like, I got to call them again. I have to get to the bottom of this. I have to see what I got to knock some sense into Jill. And Eileen is trying to tell Al, no, you know, just let it be. They're going to work it out on their own. No. And and then like the second she goes off into the, uh, the bathroom, he yeah. like picks up the phone and tries to <laughs> call her and have a conversation. I'm sorry, Eileen. I just don't know how you can expect me to concentrate on this jigsaw puzzle when my friend is in turmoil. <laughs> I think they're trying to work out the kinks of the home improve or the tool time board game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. I'm just being so selfish. I'm just sitting here trying to trying to think of how to make my own money off the home improve off the tool time board game when I could be helping my friend. There is no tool time board game without Tim. <laughs> Oh, that Jill. I can't believe it. Um, Anyway, we go from that scene to the backyard where uh, we get a Jill and Wilson scene, and (laughs) we're introduced to Wilson by the way of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's really, yeah, this weird, because she's out there sitting on the swing that they barely ever sit on, uh, talking. 
Wilson has come over from his side of the fence to sit with her. Which is, which is, uh, you know, that that that's how you really know that the shit has gotten real. But yeah. um, they they've got her framed in, and you see a little bit of you see a little bit of an arm in the side of the frame. And I'm thinking, like, why aren't they showing Tim on screen? What's going on? Like she's sitting there <laughs> with Tim, and then they just show these shots of the shadow of a of a behatted head talking to her. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's Wilson. Um, but yeah, she's she's talking and just reflecting about how you know. How, you know, what it was like having Randy as a baby and, like, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of kid he was, how he always had some kind of health problem or something as a Mm -hmm. kid. Why does it always have to happen to Randy? It seems like he's the only one that this sort of thing befalls. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, Wilson starts saying, well, you know, I remember the early days. You're right. Uh, when, uh, When you guys first moved in and Randy had colic. And um, that cuts us to a very, um, a very blurry uh, flashback. Very blurry. <laughs> they definitely put Vaseline or pantyhose over the lens, to, <laughs> or uh, both, to give it a, a very you know kind of back in the day Betty Davis uh, look. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where Tim is out back and kind of jogging around the yard with uh, Randy to uh, a crying baby. Yes. My, Stress immediately went to eleven. I know, I know, I know. This, the, yeah, and and props to them though for getting a real baby and not a prop. Uh, that you know <laughs> that that is actually just having seen that that creepy ass scene in American Sniper where uh, yeah, I was just where he say that he's yeah. sitting there holding what is clearly a lump of pink plastic. <laughs> um, I mean, what are babies if not just a lump of pink flesh? Wow. Well, I suppose they could be any color, but. But and and that's uh, okay. Welcome to Landon sounding like a serial killer corner. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're just noisy lumps of flesh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, why would I, anyone want a noisy lump of flesh? You that and, they have to take care of. You and Patrick Bateman would host an amazing and very robust podcast. I think. <laughs> uh, but he's he's out there wow. he's he's out there with uh, with this baby and Wilson comes over to the fence and says Heidi ho neighbor and Tim is confused by this and and Wilson says oh it's just a little expression of mine and then Tim goes ah oh, expression and Wilson goes what what were those sounds and he says oh just a little expression of mine <laughs> okay gauntlet laid down <laughs> gauntlet has laid down and I got to be honest we're, we'll wait till we get to the grunt count section but uh, I am I, I this gave me. I did not go back in the episode like we usually do for you when you have to get the accurate count. I only went off of the one and only time I heard it, but holy crap, was that hard to count? So yeah. I'm curious what my number is. It it was it was tough to count. I uh, I I went back a couple times and I think I did the best that I could. But he yeah, okay. this it was a very special episode for grunting. Let me tell you. Yeah. But Tim says here, uh, I hope my kids didn't wake you up uh, crying, and he calls him sir, which I found interesting. Yeah, really weird. I hope my kids didn't uh, my kids crying didn't wake you up, sir. <laughs> <laughs> just odd to see tim showing respect and deference to anyone ever yeah right uh and then wilson introduces himself as hello i'm wilson wilson um wanted to point out some set direction stuff here yeah what do you think do you think it was one of tim's accidents that burned all the foliage off of the fence no because <laughs> there was just like vine leafy vines just covering this thing uh, I think it, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's either that or it's like one of Jill's gardening projects or something. She didn't like it, and so she took them all down. Um, I, I guarantee it was more like Tim using the lathe outside and, like, it took his shirt off. It probably just got one of the vines and sucked it all off in one swoop motion. Oh, oh yeah, just like one single big long piece of spaghetti. Yep. That that sounds quite <laughs> likely, in fact. Uh, 
And anyway, Wilson starts to, you know, kind of investigate some stuff about Tim and, and Randy and says that, well, you know, I heard uh, I heard what was going on and I made you some um, I wrote root stuff because I didn't actually get the name of <laughs> this uh, liquid that he's made, Tim. Uh, I, 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 th- I thought it was OK. Root juice sounds better than newt juice, which is what I wrote down. It's definitely made from I said roots root and not stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I would drink some root juice. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that root beer? Because actually, I wouldn't drink that. Root beer is pretty <laughs> disgusting. Root beer used to be my favorite, but uh, I, I, I don't drink soda anymore. So It, it kind of used to be everybody's favorite, and then you get to a certain age, and you're like, this is not good. <laughs> There's a recurring joke on Deep Space Nine about how bad root beer is, uh, and I kind of love it. But Well, that's a um, remarkably observational comedy kind of turn for a Star Trek show to take. <laughs> What's the deal with with Romulan ale? Um, right. So anyway, uh, yes. yeah, he gives him the colic juice, and that helps uh, that that helps uh, quiet Randy down. And then Thank Wilson God. says, "Yes." And, I, and and my note here was, "I need a Wilson." Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of what For I all am? The babies in my life. You can't. Well, hey, you can't. You've see done my nothing face. To, to quiet all of the. The babies that live around me, so... You know, I'm sorry I don't think that there's lumps of flesh land, and although I do find them quite annoying regardless. <laughs> Leaky lumps of flesh. You know... That's all they are. <laughs> okay, Lan... Y- 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 the the more you say about this, the more likely we are to wind up on some kind of watch list now, and not, not one like, oh, podcasts to watch, but more like podcasts <laughs> to watch. Listen, I'm trying to stoke the flames of, like, some crossover episodes between us and i don't know my favorite murder or something i I think we're gonna be their least favorite murder um (laughs) so they uh but so he's he's starting to leave and wilson says well feel free to to stop by anytime and chat and tim goes i'm a pretty private guy i don't like to share my problems with other people and uh ha 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 uh, oh, they again! They're giving us glimpses of alternate realities that we'll never actually get to see. Have, have you uh, have you met Jill's husband, Al? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I so have then, some questions too. It's not mm-hmm. really worth going into about. Uh, I mean, it looks like they had just moved in, so clearly they had Brad before they moved into this house. Yeah, and uh, while dealing with Randy, they are you know because uh, all of this stuff is like. It uh, looks like they have unopened boxes and stuff in the backyard, things that they haven't yet put in the attic uh, that looks like they just moved in like the day before. And likewise, mm-hmm. there's a later during the montage uh, shot in the house where there's not a lot of stuff in it yet, but we'll get there in due time. We cut yes. back to the backyard where uh, Jill and Wilson continue to reminisce. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Jill's just talking about how bad, you know, she assumes that. Bad stuff was never going to happen to this family. They live in this kind of protective bubble. Tim has survived over 200 accidents. <laughs> Wilson has a nice little dunk line, which is 200? Wow, it seems like more than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and But she's just saying how this phone call that they're waiting on from the doctor could be the thing that bursts this protective bubble that seems like it's always been around the family, protecting them from, from the worst stuff. Yeah. And, and that she, more than anything, just feels so helpless. Yeah. Which, you know, that is... I don't know. That was just like a really realistic line to me where, you know, what what can you hit on in terms of the human experience in these sort of circumstances and situations? It's the worst part of it often is just not knowing what to do and not having anything to do, but just sit there at the behest of fate. Yeah. Yeah. The waiting is the hardest part. And I'm not just talk singing for talk singing's sake, but it actually is. (laughs) 
<laughs> like there's nothing you can control and you just have to kind of wait and find out how screwed you are. It's uh, yeah. yeah, it's a powerless time. This um, and other comedic anecdotes. <laughs> we cut to another scene inside uh, where Jill, it's a little bit later. She's waiting for a phone call for the test results. Um, but the, the phone's not ringing yet. Brad comes home and says that Randy never showed up after school to meet him. She gets a little panicky about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Tim comes home and finds this out pretty quickly, and he says, oh, don't worry, I think I think I know where he'll be. You call yeah. around, and I'll drive around and look. And so he leaves, and then right away there's a phone call. Jill eagerly picks up, thinking it's the doctor. She says, what? Al? Uh, we don't milkman. even have a milkman. <laughs> Which is like, I don't know, I I think that the way that they are even ending each of these scenes where we end the last scene with Wilson on kind of a serious note, then we end this one on a comedic note, it's a great little balance. Uh, I don't know, I I can't give enough props to the writing of this episode. Yeah, I I liked it a lot. I, I, you know, again, it's a a tightrope that they're walking and they (laughs) they managed to do it. Uh, then we cut to uh, the arcade. I'm sorry. Did I say arcade? I meant a time capsule within a time capsule. If Home yeah. Improvement is a time capsule of the 90s, this arcade is a time capsule within that time capsule because, holy crap, some of these video game machines were, like, out of my memory. Yeah. Uh, I- we have our Nat Geo. Oh. <laughs> you mean Neo Geo. Neo- no, no, no. This is Nat Geo. Oh, it's it's Nat. Oh Ge- no, 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 I'm sorry. It is Neo Geo. I'm, yeah, I Nat, my... Nat Geo isn't a isn't an arcade game where you like learn about tigers and stuff. <laughs> That's the Tiger King game. <laughs> it's yeah. You go on safari. <laughs> Yeah, you, 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 I think you go on safari. safari Hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that that's the Cabela's game. Yeah, yeah, no, the, right, and exactly. and the Tiger King game is a game where you try and kill Carol Baskin, but that's a whole other oh matter. My God. Uh, no, we no. get uh, Viper, we get Hoop It Up, and then later in the scene, I just want to point them all out. Now uh, we get Virtua Fighter, which was like, oh, man, that that tied me right to a specific time and place. I I also just love that that i mean you're a kid in the 90s who thinks he's dying and is trying to do some deep thinking the arcade is 100% the place you're going to go it's like well i guess i'm going to okay. die may as well may as well burn all my allowance want to point this out though uh i i not that anyone ever intended anyone to pull out additional meaning out of this scene but um if you wanted to i actually think it's a really good example because you want to get away you want to go do something to kind of get your mind off of things you yeah. would go maybe to the arcade i you know at randy's age at what 12 13 i would probably go there uh but you look at what he's playing and it's like he's just kind of aimlessly meandering to all the machines and he's playing this like really old school analog basketball game like mm. it's not a screen it's not a video game it's just one of those kind of like uh old bar skill games and you could tell that like he would no- never normally play that but his yeah, mind is wandering one. in other places that he just found himself in front of it and it's a thing to just push buttons mindlessly while you think over these things if he were an adult he'd be sitting at a bar with a glass of scotch in front of him (laughs) staring into the middle distance but as a kid in the 90s all you can do is go to the arcade play a game nobody wants and just kind of be alone with your thoughts exactly exactly yeah um uh, tim tim appears and uh he finds randy and um Randy uh, starts to confront him. He's like, "Listen, Wait. why didn't you tell me about this?" Well, yeah, because T- Tim is like, "You can't just, you can't just, you know, run off without telling us." And and Randy goes, "Well, we're even because there's a couple things you didn't tell me either, Dad." And I, let's just call this out: Jonathan Taylor Thomas is doing some amazing acting in this episode. Yeah. Just Agreed. absolute brilliance. Yes, yes, 
Is that are you giving me uh, are you giving me the flags? I can't see you anymore, so I can't see your signals to go into JTT Junction. I, I mean, I'm never the one who signals you to go into JTT Junction. Every man <laughs> must decide for himself when we go to JTT Junction. Yeah, but there's always kind of a a uh, unspoken silent uh, uh, communication that we can share between our looks that go, oh, this is the moment we're going to go into it. Uh, uh, that well, I'm missing by not being in the same room as you. I'm, I'm nudging and winking, Landon. Let's let's go into JTT Junction. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, uh, I know what going... I mean, know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> we're going into JTT Junction this week, uh, which is part nine, JTT Junction part nine of chapter three. Uh, I think it's called JTT Goes to Hell. Um, no. That's nice. The, uh, that's Friday, Friday the 13th. 13th. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I can, uh, I, if there's one franchise that you're reffing, I, I can understand. <laughs> I can understand which one it is. So, uh, just as a update for anyone just tuning in, what JTT Junction is, we're reading excerpts yep. from the totally unauthorized biography of Jonathan Taylor Thomas called "Totally JTT!" JTT. Exclamation point by Michael, Michael and, and Johns. Johns. <laughs> what uh, happened last week? Ah, uh, God, I'm trying to remember what happened last week. Uh, he, he. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, his family had made the decision to move down to L.A. His parents, his parents got divorced, divorced. which yep. is a sad thing. Um, and, yeah, the, the family's in L.A. now. That's that's the, the big, that's that's where we left, last last left our heroes, the best as I can recall. Yeah, he was, they, they had made the decision to actually give this acting thing uh, a full go, that Jonathan has the talent to actually pick up the entire family, move them to Los Angeles, and, like, try this thing out. Yeah. Um, that's where we left off. So we're going to pick up this week on page 37. Uh, and guess what? We're going to finish this chapter this week. Oh, my God. This is a very <laughs> special episode. <laughs> exactly. Uh, okay. So we are picking up halfway down the page, and it goes a little something like this. Academically, he had no problems either. Immediately put into the school's program for gifted children, Jonathan nevertheless worked hard at maintaining an A average. Quote, I uh, I keep my grades up because you never know how your acting career is going to go, he told a reporter. Uh, To another, he said, acting careers don't last a lifetime, so you write it out and get the best education you can. Career or not... Yeah, uh, yeah. Pre- Prescient. He stayed. He stayed on top of that one. <laughs> uh, career or not, chances are Jonathan would have kept his grades up anyway. Not only was he truly brilliant, uh, he has a burning desire to learn about new things, and he cares. He likes to be a winner <laughs> academically and athletically. Wow. I so I I read that uh, whole paragraph before we recorded, and I I don't know what to take out of it. Like Michael and John's. Speaking to me, the reader, what do you want me to take out of that? It's just uh, it's like a lot of that he wants to be a winner. Yeah, the, I mean, the, I think what Michael and Johns wants you to take from this is that there was a page count that had to be reached or a <laughs> word count that had to be reached, and it's like because also wasn't it like a, like uh, I think earlier in the chapter he's specifically saying like yeah I don't want to be one of those kids who goes on Arsenio and cries about how terrible his life was because he didn't get an education. He's basically right. restating those same points here: the importance it, of an education. Bearing in mind that you and I, uh, 30-somethings, are not the intended age of this book, uh, (laughs) I'm trying to keep that in mind of, like, what is it that this author wants young teenage girls to know about Jonathan Taylor Thomas? What's the takeaway there? Sure. Um, But anyway, keep moving forward. Uh, Speaking of of athletics, Jonathan signed up for uh, his new town's soccer league, the Shockers. 
Oh, uh, as well as their weird basketball name. team. What, what uh, was the what was the what was the basketball team named? We don't get the basketball team name. It's worse than the Shockers, apparently. <laughs> uh, he was welcomed to both. His oops, um, the his donkey punchers. And, <laughs> God, the Houdinis. Uh, his ability and his spirit were appreciated. Never did Jonathan want to stand out as the TV star player on any team. He tried hard, as he did in school, to be just one of the kids accepted for his personality, friendship, and ability. Oh. There was perhaps one thing Jonathan and his family were missing, and uh, in their new digs, a couple of pets. Oh, boy. <laughs> McCormick, nicknamed Mac, uh, a Lasso Apso, I hope I'm pronouncing that pro- uh, properly. I, I think you got it, yeah. Lasso Apso Puppy soon became a member of the family. He even had his own doghouse built in the backyard. While Joel, that's JTT's brother, bonded with Mac right away, Jonathan's heart was stolen by a Himalayan kitten named Samantha, who has always been named Sammy. A Himalayan kitten? That, that's, that's a, what that's it says. A, that's a thing? Okay. <laughs> uh, normal home life, uh, as JTT would know it for the next couple of years, had begun. Uh, over at Disney, things were progressing. Uh, so <laughs> that's the end of the story, right? This is this is the, the next bit that I'm about to read here. This is the post-credit sequence that sets us up for next season. Oh, okay. Uh, I.e. the next chapter. Um, <laughs> so It the JTT, next chapter? <laughs> uh, JTT's story is put on pause here as we talk about what's to come. Over at Disney, things were progressing behind the scenes as well as the new comedy was getting ready to debut. First, there was some tinkering done with its name. The show that had started out on paper as Hammer Time went through two incarnations before becoming uh, the one that audiences are familiar with. Hammer Time went out the window as the pilot was filmed. Afterward, it was known as Tool Time. (laughs) What? After, yeah, the uh, the home improvement was going to be called Tool Time. Uh, after much discussion among the show's creators, Disney TV, Tim Allen, and the ABC Network, it was decided that Tim's fictional cable show would retain the Tool Time title, while the show as a whole would be rechristened Home Improvement. Ah, so and, that's uh, how it happened. That's how that happened. Oh, well, and I don't that's, think that's the way it is. We don't know how it happened. We just know that it happened. I don't think that really goes into an explanation. But, and um, that's that it happened. <laughs> uh, we're going to end on a, a twist here. Um, there was a bit fine-tuning with the boys' names as well. Jonathan had been using Taylor Thomas as his professional name since he became Ooh. an actor. Zach's real full name is Zachary Ty Bryan, and that's how he'd always been billed. Whether it was because he felt left out or was just trying to keep up at the last minute, Taryn added Noah, his real middle name, to his his stage name. This inevitably led to some carping by critics. Three boys, nine names. (laughs) As far as criticism goes, that is really benign. Yeah, yeah. like (laughs) what kind of critics are like going after children for the number of names that they used? Unless they were podcast hosts, in which case I guess I give them a pass because they have to talk about something. Three boys, nine names. This show stinks. Um, nine names in this economy? <laughs> uh, well, if you were going to have an economy to hold nine names, it's definitely the 90s. But oh, boy. Uh, there was more criticism to come, but in the end, none of it would amount to a hill of beans. Home improvement would overcome that and a whole lot more. Dun, dun, dun. Tune in next week when we cover chapter four. 
<laughs> that night, Jonathan Taylor Thomas walked back into his house to find a tall black man with an eye patch waiting there, looking out the window. He turned around and said, Mr. Thomas, have you heard about the JTT initiative? Smash cut to credits. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Uh, so that concludes JTT uh, for this week, JTT Junction for this week. Let's get back into the episode already in progress. Yes. Already in crying because we're at the <laughs> arcade where uh, where uh, JTT and, or Randy, as they call him on the show, is talking to Tim <laughs> and explaining that uh, that he's uh, done some research on the school computer uh, about uh, the condition that he may or may not have. And he said, you know, you guys didn't tell me this could also be cancer. And he's pissed off about that and also sad and scared about that. I was not aware that in 1996 WebMD existed. <laughs> no, I don't think there's WebMD. I think there was just like a Usenet message board for people who thought they had <laughs> cancer. So somehow even worse than WebMD. Oh my God! Yeah, he's just posting his symptoms online, yeah. and someone, some neckbeard on the other side of the country is uh, responding to him. Yeah, uh, but he, you know, he's kind of he starts crying and he says, "Why does bad stuff always happen to me?" And Tim goes, "Well, bad stuff happens to me all the time." And JTT goes, "Yeah, but you cause it," which <laughs> I I thought was hilarious. Like that it they was, can yeah. that they can have him crying the only time one of the boys on the show cries, and that they still have him deliver a good joke in the middle of it. Yeah. That's that's why we call him Teasus, man. And then following up that joke with uh, probably the most serious line and moment of the, the episode where he just really breaks down and just says, I don't want to die. Yeah. And buries himself in Tim's arms. Like, holy shit, does that not just... Granted, Patricia Richardson earlier in the episode is the, the thing that got me crying. I was a little misty-eyed here, but it, it didn't completely take over me. It was um it was a it was a powerful moment. Like Tim has got his arms around him and is saying, you know, don't worry about it. We'll beat this thing no matter what it is. And he's like, you know, doing some real dad shit. Yeah. So this is where I wanted to point out, and again, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox here because I'm not in this situation. I've had had to deal with this myself, telling someone bad news like this, but I, I don't particularly like how what Tim's approach is here. I definitely prefer Jill's over Tim's, where Tim is telling him, You don't have it. You don't have cancer. You're gonna you know, we're gonna get through this thing. So yeah. kind of making those false promises is just like, oh, Tim, I understand why you want to say that, but I don't, I, that doesn't feel like the right move. Yeah, kind of counterproductive. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, he might, he might have cancer. You yeah, don't want to tell him he doesn't, you know, emphatically have it. Yeah, you're just making uh, it worse for when you have to tell him that he does have it. Yeah, luckily yeah. that's not the case, but uh, let's get to that now. So we cut to uh, the bedroom where Tim and Jill are playing Scrabble with Randy while they're waiting for the phone call. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they're I, I just can't imagine why Scrabble is the thing that you guys land on to keep your mind off your troubles, because that game is like, especially with this crowd, with, with like Tim involved, it's like, why, why Scrabble, guys? <laughs> uh, Randy, that's why. I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe Randy really likes Scrabble. Um... But they're they're playing. Jill spells lax, and then Tim tries to spell x lax. And well, Jill spells lax l a c k s, which yeah. is right. And she gets yeah. uh, fourteen points for that, even though Tim counts it as twelve. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Tim tries to put x in front of it, and it come, falls to Randy and Jill to explain. No, Tim, that's not how it works. Not only did you uh, spell it wrong, <laughs> but it's also a proper noun. 
or a brand name, yeah. Which is, we, I guess, respect to the writers for being very on point about what the rules of Scrabble are. <laughs> Listen, I would love to play a game of Scrabble. <laughs> Listen, we're going to have a, 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 a team battle, you and me versus Elliot Schoenman and Marley Sims. Uh, what, of, of Scrabble? Jesus. Yes. Yep. Uh, us against two professional union writers? I don't think we're going to do well with that, Landon. Oh, you have little faith, my friend. I, I do, I'm acutely aware of my words with friends abilities. I, uh, I don't think I'd be much better at Scrabble. <laughs> Scrabble is one of my hidden talents. Uh, that oh, really? But yeah, that's we'll, why it's so well hidden. <laughs> we'll go into that uh, never again. So, um, the so, phone rings and interdu- uh, inter- interrupts this moment. Just like yep. that burp I just had. Yeah, well, that's 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 great. Come on, Landon. I try and try and keep things a little more somber. We're still dealing with some Sorry. shit with Randy. Uh, but yeah, but it turns out it's uh, Al once again talking about the milkman. Uh, just just really just you know picturing Eileen trying to pull the phone out of his hands to stop him from embarrassing himself. <laughs> and again, I think it was a, it's a great little touch to you know like they squeeze the joke out of okay they're waiting for a phone call. And they kind of make some jokes out of that. And then the phone rings and us as the audience, just our, our stomachs immediately drop. And we're just like, yeah. oh, fuck. Uh, and the fact that it's L, I mean, it's kind of the perfect bait and switch in terms of uh, being able to deliver a joke. So when it's L on the other line, we kind of go, oh, foo. Yeah. Foo? Did I just foo. say foo? Oh, yeah, you said foo. <laughs> oh, foo. <laughs> it's Fu Manchu on the other line calling with uh, some kind of mystic ancient medical advice. <laughs> Oh man. Um I want to talk about my mustache. It's it's L and uh Jill answers the phone and says, "L, stop it. We don't have a milkman. Get out of here." Uh she hangs up on him and uh, she tells him, "Don't ever call here again." Um the phone rings immediately after she hangs it up and she answers it in kind of, you know, a trope of uh, you know, this sort of thing where she goes, "L," and yeah. then she realizes, "Oh, it's Dr. Kaufman." Yes. And Dr. Kaufman has good news. Uh, Randy doesn't have cancer, uh, and it's not a goiter. He's just got uh, hyperthyroidism and will have to take a pill every day for the rest of his life, which is yep. really not that bad. No cancer, no operation. They all embrace. Um, I want to – okay, look. I, given this episode a lot of props, I, I think that the writing of it is really, really well done. If I have any criticism of this episode, it's how this moment is directed. Because yeah. I don't, I feel like it's a little too disconnected, and it's focusing on the wrong people in in the shot selection. Like we're watching Jill have this phone call, but I don't, we don't ever like get a close up of Randy and how, you know, what he's anticipating on the other line. What is his internal experience going through this moment? It's just Jill gets a phone call. He doesn't have cancer. Wide shot. They all hug, and it yeah. kind of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we kind of, yeah, we lose, Randy is sort of just like a plot point and not really a character with his own feelings about this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree, I, I agree. It, it's, it, the direction there is a little, is a little odd. Although also, we have had the most emotional background on Jill, so it is kind of like the resolution of her, her arc in this episode. Yeah, but I mean, we just literally had a scene with Randy crying and saying he doesn't want to die. I want the emotional resolution to that beyond, oh, I just have to take a pill every day. Thank God. Well, gee whiz, I'm going to go out and play Blade Warriors. Okay, nothing wrong with that. Nothing, oh, you, you make a very good point. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I would hope that he gets right back to Blade Warriors. I hope he doesn't let this, like, keep him, keep him off the streets for too long. Yeah. 
<laughs> there, there are no benches in Blade Warriors. Every player always plays and is an elimination style game where you play to the death. The game never ends. You are playing Blade Warriors or you're dead. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so they they all kind of uh, reminisce, or they all kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They kind of embrace and uh, yes. are enthusiastic in this moment. And they're going to go upstairs. Randy's like, man, I'm hungry. Which, again, very true. I don't know how often you've gone through the grieving process or a fear process like this, but uh, for, at least for me, whenever something like this happens, hunger is the first thing to pop back into my yeah. awareness. <laughs> yeah, you kind of forget about everything else. And then, it, yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, so him and Til- Tim go upstairs. Uh, and Jill's like, you know, I need a minute down here by myself. And Tim going upstairs does not hit his head on that pipe. It's I was only when he comes down it. those stairs. Oh, He's never I see. Hit it going up. It's only going oh, down. Oh, I see. Okay, okay, okay. Well, then, then okay, continuity maintained. But yeah, <laughs> Joel needs a moment to wait in Randy's weird, creepy, uh, creepy bedroom. Yep. Um, and then we cut to a montage. Oh, do we cut to a montage? <laughs> uh, I gotta I... be honest. I, I, I have conflicted feelings about these... They're these types of montages where it's just kind of emotional manipulation, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it feels cheap. Sometimes it is like, okay, this is, you know, manipulative, but it's exactly what I want to release these emotions right now. Um, And I I can't quite tell how I feel about this. Tell me me what your reaction was to uh, Louis Armstrong swelling up on the, the soundtrack. Uh, of of what a wonderful world. Um, yeah. My reaction was just to sit there on the couch, going, "Oh, oh no, oh, oh no, they're not doing the, oh no, oh." <laughs> so God. you were you had a complete adverse reaction to it. I mean, I don't like emotional manipulation, and I think again, this is I think what put my mom off the whole episode. But it's just like, <laughs> you know, I, I I think that like. <sighs> You know, at the end of the day, it's it's like I would have rather we have the like the time that was spent on this montage had been put into the episode of maybe like mm-hmm. seeing how the other two boys react to this or how how, you know, uh, Mark and, and Brad, uh, you know, deal with this or find out about this or how it's presented to them. But instead, we just get like this. it's just like it kind of like a this massive thing about just like just one big salute to randy 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 (laughs) randy and it's like well okay i know we went through this big moment but it's like i don't this was an emotional episode but i think that then ending it with just hey let's flash back over all these moments of like randy is a baby and like tim chasing baby randy around and and jill feeding baby randy like it's like we don't need it was was it was it emotionally just, powerful enough. We didn't need all this other shit. It was, and it was uh, strange too because it would be one thing if it was just a montage of clips we've seen of Randy, but the mixture of like casting, you know, making uh, dressing Tim and Jill younger, and yeah. you know, casting a baby that we've never seen these moments with them before. It was just like, uh, you know, like you're asking me to buy into something that I'm not already emotionally invested in, and it's like new information I have to process. I, I it was a, a strange mixture of those two things, and which didn't really work for me. And I agree to your point that yeah, the emotional uh, resolution had already happened for me, and this was just additional like uh, a little hubris on the the part, or maybe laziness on the part of the filmmakers, where it was just like. 
how much more emotion can we squeeze out of you? And I'm like, nah, you're not getting any more out of me. Yeah. <laughs> I've already steeled myself to you, sir and ma'ams. The, the, the script and the performances did a good enough job already yeah. uh, addressing this. And now we've got... Like this, just this kind of compromises all the other work. It's like, uh, mm-hmm. it's like if at the end of I don't know, if at the end of Citizen Kane or something, you know, we pull back from the from Rosebud, we pull back from Xanadu, and then the the frame just includes a guy standing there looking at the camera, and goes, "Do you get it?" <laughs> or or like or, or there's two dudes there's two dudes standing there going like wow it sure is sad that he you know he had all that money but he always he lost his childhood and never could reclaim it pretty sad don't you think yep definitely sad i don't know like the, i kind of like the idea that at the end of citizen kane louis armstrong swells up and we just see shots of charles foster kane destroying a room and <laughs> <laughs> the kind of shortened montage of him getting further and further away from his wife at the breakfast table. Uh, I, I, you know, I think also part of what, it, like, I am I am a fan of Louis Armstrong. I like Louis Armstrong a whole lot. I like a lot of his music as someone who was a trumpet player and also just as, so, oh, like, yeah. I I think he's, you know, also just a, was really a genuinely wonderful, charitable, good, you know, humorous man. Like, a, 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 a wonderful person. I you cannot say now. <laughs> we're in the we're in the age of that you're going to regret those words as soon as someone finds out something. I you know it may, may you know maybe he will get canceled but I I'll be on record <laughs> and then you can cancel me right along with him, you know. Okay, what? great. Uh but he like I just I it's a wonderful what a wonderful world is uh, my least favorite of his songs and purely because it gets used in everything. Yeah. And one of my I, notes here was I think that there exists a very specific 30 second version of this song only for television montages. Yes, exactly. And also, I think there's another version of it that exists solely to be used in, like, an ironic sense in, like, war movies or, like, satirical, <laughs> like, oh, we're showing slow motion shots of people getting napalmed in Vietnam, but we're playing this song. Do you yeah, get right. it? Wouldn't that be fucked up? Like, that kind of thing. I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I, so it, had they chosen a different song, I probably, I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have had less of a visceral reaction. Yeah, it was. I, I think it would, even in '96, it was probably uh, overused. But uh, whatever, they used it. We watched it, it, and we're here talking about it. Yep. Yep. We can't unwatch it. Isn't that just a, a, a high note of energy to end this episode on? You know, you know, we talk for a long time, Landon. <laughs> I, I, you know, you always make, you always make, ooh, Truman yawn, ooh, like that's not something that people just do. Oh no, no, I wasn't commenting like. on your yawn. I was commenting on just, I don't know, how else do we end it? On uh, lamenting on the overuse of of Louis Armstrong. It just feels yeah. like a, a weak note to end on. I, I would agree. It was, it was a weak note to end on. Just as, just as me yawning is a weak note to end our podcast on. It was really my <laughs> tribute to this episode. Yeah, I love it. Uh, we do get a singer where it's uh, Tim and Al in the flashback scene, and I think the joke of that is that the baby spit up on his shoulder, or he doesn't improv, pretending it spits up on his shoulder uh, in the middle of the scene, and it's as funny as it sounds. Yep. We, uh, Not much of a goof. Not that goofy. <laughs> we then go to uh, uh, the grunt count. Yes, we do. Do you want to guess? I want to hear you guess. I want to hear you try and figure this shit out. Okay, so I 
I was very concerned about this. As soon as I heard them, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't know what that was. Uh, but it vaguely sounded like one of his typical patterns. Mm-hmm. So I went with the law of averages and just thought, you know what? I think that it's probably just going to be one of his oh, 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 sorts of deals. Uh, and I went with a, a common number that we normally get, which is five. Landon, you are very close. Ooh. But do you close want it? isn't correct. <laughs> no, close isn't correct. Do you want? Do you want to try and? Do you want to try and? No, uh, no. I, I like. I'm one of those people. that's like that's my final answer. I'm not gonna try to negotiate to just get some sort of vague, vain glory out of it. I'll so, take the loss. Okay, take the loss. But it's close. So just know that it's a loss with an asterisk. The uh, okay. the actual number is six, and this is what I counted. And I had to go back and listen to it a bunch. But Tim kind of grunts up front, and it takes a long time trailing off, and then he goes, like, so he does, so there's, like, kind of one up front, one big one, and then five trailing along after after the fact. So, in terms of Tim's language, it's kind of like a, this is the first time you're ever going to hear me grunt, so I'm going to give you an introductory grunt, and then follow it with, this is how it's typically going to be. It was was a grunt Rosetta Stone, if you will. (laughs) perfect yeah um wow okay so six i don't feel like we've gotten a number six maybe ever if 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 you ask and also i think this is one of the highest grunt totals in the entire season thus far and if you had to (laughs) ask me which episode this season i thought would have the most the randy gets cancer episode was not going to be the one i picked (laughs) i would uh yeah i would back you on that um Interesting. I do think we had a seven count this season, but it's definitely one of the highest that we've had. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Man, I, I still I'm getting nervous now that we're nearing the end of the season to try to come up with a guess for what the season count is, because I just I have no concept. Maybe somewhere in the 40s. Yeah. 40s seems safe. I, okay. I you know, if we it's it, the real debate is do we crack 50 or not? Yeah. Uh, I'd be curious what the next couple episodes have uh, in store for us. But uh, what do you say we wrap up this episode? I say that we should, because I think we've we've talked as much about this somber and sad event as possible, and I think we need to get back out there and start living again, you know? I agree, and you know, I when we get out there and start living, I want to start living with a few specific people. And oh, those specific people are these people. Mason. To- okay, yes, thank that's you. It. Just Mason, just Mason. Just that, That's it, those are the only people we want to thank. <laughs> Mason, uh, thank you. Okay, Everyone a few else. others. Let's go. Mason oh. and Manbach, uh, they're, I think, th- thank I you. think they're pals thank in real life, uh, actually. Oh, so, are they? Uh, I'm going to group them together. I'm going to hang out with them at the same time. Nice. Uh, Michael, I want to thank uh, Cheyenne. Thank you. I want to thank, thank Amber. Thank you, Amber. I want to thank Amber. I mean, Spencer. I, yeah, well, I, oh, so Amber gets two. Okay, well, I want to thank Spencer a second time to make <laughs> up for it. Thank you. Yes, I was going to say, yeah, Amber gets two and Spencer gets kind of a half. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Which he gets is not a half what I one. intended. So no, thank no, you no. for uh, for doubling down on that. Um, and next week, I'll start with Spencer just to make up uh, for that faux pas. I'm sure we'll remember to do that. <laughs> um, okay. Well, you know, this show, Grunt Work, is made possible by people like those that I just listed that are out there living. Yes. So if you enjoyed today's show and you are also living and you want to help us uh, continue to produce the show, consider becoming an official Grunt Head sponsor over at our Patreon. 
That's right, because for as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content, like our weekly Grunt Work Nights episodes. And this uh, month, we've decided to extend our free Patreon, so we are not charging. You can go in there and get access to our entire backlog of Grunt Work Nights episodes, including... Uh, big news. <laughs> we just covered the Hudsucker proxy. Oh, for, we covered uh, it. <laughs> over two hour long episode. So we, we covered uh, it in chocolate and nougat and uh, <laughs> barbecue sauce for some reason. Uh, it's if, covered. If memory serves me, it, it also marks a moratorium on you commenting on the Hudsucker proxy in our, our proper episodes. Which so, is, which uh, is, yeah, it, it's been stressful for me. I've been sweating bullets this whole time. Because there's so many analogs between this screwball 90s comedy and this episode about a boy potentially having cancer. So you can do all of that over at our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Good lord. Oh, Um, good lord. And if you don't want to get caught up in that Patreon stuff, you can always leave us a rating review over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these episodes because it's the easiest way to get us in front of other people. So we would really appreciate you doing that. We would. Um, and, you know, uh, we want to hear your thoughts. And yeah. if you don't want to put it in a review, which I totally understand, uh, come say hi to us over at Twitter or Instagram, at GruntWorkPod. Um, I typically respond to everything that comes our way. Right now, I'm kind of not so much on uh, the social medias, uh, at least not in the same capacity I used to be. But I'll get back there soon. Uh, yeah. So. But, hey, take your time, man. Self-care yeah. is important. We'll get a little backlog of things, but I'll respond. Uh, otherwise, you can get information on today's show over at our website which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, which will also be coming back into play pretty soon. Uh, And I guess that's it. Until next week, when we cover another episode of Home Improvement, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps. And remember, to regularly feel your thyroid and or your testicles and or your breasts on a regular basis to check for lumps. In fact, if any part of your body isn't completely smooth, just call a doctor right away. You, you want to get that shit checked. No worries for me, I'm a cat. Uh-huh.